0: atmosphere church podcast on behalf of all of us here at atmosphere thank you for downloading or streaming this service we pray that it will touch your heart and change your life in addition to bringing you today's service we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can if you need prayer or just someone to talk with please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church someone from our team will be sure to connect with you we have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message.
1: We have been looking at this passage found in our Bibles, specifically in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, you've probably been to some weddings in your lifetime. How many have actually been to a wedding here at this venue before? Anybody? A couple of you guys, yeah. So a lot of weddings happen here. And what is very uh, familiar in wedding ceremonies is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And what you see here is a description of what real, genuine, authentic God love looks like. This is why it's so often quoted, because in our culture... The word love is so popular. It, matter of fact, we've been talking about this, that it's so overused yet so underlived out. And so it's important for us to talk about this because I think we've kind of lost connection with how significant love is supposed to be, especially in regards to our faith. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, Jesus said this quality part of our life is actually going to help connect people to know we belong to him. That's how important it is for us to get this down right. And then if you were to talk to somebody on the street, if you were to go to the Thousand Oaks Mall after church today and have lunch, and you were just to interview somebody that comes out of the mall that's not a church person, and you were to say, hey, can you describe what a Christian is? You're probably going to get all kinds of answers, but I'm afraid you're not going to get the answer that we should be getting. And that is, Man, they are people that know how to love other people really, really well. Because Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me because of how you love one another. Christians don't have a rep for knowing how to love people really well. Matter of fact, this week, some of you that follow news know that uh, a big entertainer in our culture named Kanye West released a gospel album this weekend. It dropped on Friday, and it's kind of big news because his other albums have not been gospel. <laughs> uh, if you've ever listened to a Kanye West song, you know what I'm talking about. So he released this album, and, and it, it really interested me because the story of him coming to faith is a lot like my friend Brian Welch's story, and some of you may not know who Brian Welch is, but he is the lead guitarist of a band called Korn, and he's a buddy of mine. And he grew up in Bakersfield. And, and uh, uh, so I, I watched Brian embrace faith and I watched Jesus change his life. And so I, I was highly interested in Kanye's story, especially on this album. So I, I started listening to the album. And I got to be honest with you, I, I was touched by it. I don't know Kanye. I don't, I don't really listen to hip hop music. But as I'm listening to these songs, you could just feel the authenticity and genuineness of of what he's saying and what he's rapping or singing, whatever you want to call it. But there was one song on that that really caught my attention. and I think it was because it had something to do with what we've been talking about at church over the last several weeks. This is from a song on his album called Hands On Me. This is the lyric. It says, what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loved me. I know that's not grammatically correct. uh, But let me say this, because he repeats this about five times in the song. He says, what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loved me. Now, I don't know how long he's been fully following Jesus in his life. But it sounds to me like he crossed paths with some people that we're less than loving and accepting to him, embracing faith and following Jesus. Because here's the news flash Nobody is going to follow Jesus perfectly. Okay, nobody is. We want to strive to do it as perfectly as possible, but we're all going to fall short. But I, I, I just think this song is such an indicator of how much we're missing at church. And we're new. We're like a baby church. We just had our one-year birthday party last month. And so I want to make sure that as we get this church going and moving forward, that we really get this down right and we live this out the way God has called us to live. Because he's created us and called us to live this way. Let me read this passage to you. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. It says, love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. I, I, I like this, this description of it, and what I want us to do, and I, and I challenged the life groups this last week to do this, but I, I want you to look at this passage not as just a description of love, but as maybe an examination of how you're doing with this idea of love towards the people in your life. In other words, make this like a, your own personal love test. How are you doing in being patient? Some of you are like, just I already failed the test (laughs) right out the gate. I wasn't very patient this week. Or kind, is not jealous. We've unpacked those. Today, we want to look at this idea that love does not seek its own. Now, we we could be talking about each one of these descriptions and probably till after Christmas, but I'm going to finish this series next week because I want to start a a new one after the concert that we do, especially as we kind of cross the anniversary of the borderline shooting. So we're going to have a a new series that we're uh, rolling out on the 10th. But the idea of love does not seek its own. Scholars believe this is like a linchpin of the whole entire descriptive of love. That, that if you can get this down right, all of the other qualities that's listed here in 1 Corinthians 13 are, are going to be affected. And you're going to be able to get those things right if you get this down right. Now, you, you might be thinking, what does that mean? Love does not seek its own. And so sometimes I would like reading the message to you guys just to kind of help you get a better understanding and idea of what the passage is trying to tell us. So I'm going to read it to you. I know the screens are kind of hard to see. But let me just read it to you. It says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. I love that. It doesn't force itself on others. And it isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, Trust God, always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. But I like that description of love doesn't seek its own. Love isn't always me first. How many of you would say we live in a me first culture? Come on, right? I, I mean, You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You just leave this venue, and and it's going to come front and center. When you jump on the 101, it will be yelling at you that you do not live in in a selfless world, but you live in a selfish world. I, I like this other translation. It says, love does not live on selfie mode. I call this the atmosphere church translation. You know what selfies are, right? Get your phones out. Let, we're we're going to do something here. Get your phones out. Would you play along with me? Get your phones out, and uh, it'll distract you from the sun burning on your foreheads. Uh, get your phones out. And what I want you to do, your phone has a capacity, most of them do have a, a, a camera on the front. I want you to just lean over and take a selfie with you and your neighbor. Would you just lean over, take a selfie right now? I'm going to take a selfie with you guys. I'm going to have to do it in, in two uh, Uh, places here. But take a selfie. Go ahead. Get your neighbor. I don't care if you don't even know them. Just say, get over here and take a selfie with them. And uh, I'm going to take a selfie with each side of you guys. All right. So this side. All right. Okay. You guys right behind me. Everyone see me. Okay. Ready. Okay. All right, one, two, three, smile, hey, all right, okay, this side, you got to do better than they did, all right, all the way in the back, okay, you guys can do better, here we go, I got all you, all the way in the back there, let me do this way, hey, hey. I got my face in there, all right, okay, I'll post that later, you can tag yourself, Instagram, PJ Cruz, all right, Um, follow me, all right. But let me tell you something. Selfies are fun, right? They're they're fun, especially if you don't have somebody there to take your picture. And there's nothing wrong with taking selfies, but there's something completely wrong with living in selfie mode. And what the Bible tells us, if we want to be the outrageous lovers that we've been called to be as followers of Jesus, then we have to learn to turn off selfie mode. Because selfie mode is dangerous to not just your well-being, but it's super dangerous to every relationship in your life. One thing I've discovered as a pastor over the last 30 years is most every relational conflict we have, selfishness is rooted in the conflict. And it's always easier to see selfishness in another person than it is yourself. But a lot of times what happens is that you got two people coming together that both have selfishness inside of them. And it comes out in the form of conflict. I, I love when research is being done and they confirm what the Bible has been telling us for thousands of years. Uh, There's two research assignments that that were revealed in some psychology magazines over this last year. The first one came from John Cacioppo, who is a social neuroscientist at the University of Chicago. What he's been studying for the last 10 years is people that are majorly self-focused tend to struggle with loneliness and isolation. People... That are more self focused struggle with loneliness in isolation. What he's discovered in this research is it's like a tragic loop that takes place because the more isolated and lonely you become, the more self focused you are. And then here's another study that was done by Adam uh, Galunsky at the Columbia University of New York. And what he discovered is a direct correlation between self focus and anxiety. So the more self-focused you are, the more anxious you become. And, and so what he's learned in the study that he's done is that anxiety levels decrease as a person learns how to be less focused on themselves. The Bible's been telling us this. And now we're seeing science going, yeah, that's right. So if you want to really live the outrageous love life that God has called you to live, you are going to help yourself out tremendously. You're going to better your relationships, and you are going to be obedient to live out the way God wants you to live. Now, here's how I'm going to help you this morning. How many of you would say that you're technology challenge? You have to, something goes wrong with your computer, your phone, and you give it to your, your kid. How many do that, all right? So, my dad's 82, And every once in a while I get this random phone call from him and he says son my my phone's doing something and and I can't unlock it I'll go over there and I have to show him like dad you have to you press this button and and then that that goes away and see what happens is I I think we become life challenged in the sense that how do we turn off selfie mode because see that is your nature you were born in selfie mode. By nature, you are selfish. I have never had to teach a toddler how to be self-centered. I've never had to go up to a two-year-old and say, "I want to. I want to teach you how to be selfish." It comes naturally. a toddler. It's a natural setting that we have in our lives. And so we have to be super intentional on how do we turn this setting off inside of us so that we can be the outrageous lovers that we've we've been called to be. And so here's how we do it. I call it control shift delete. (laughs) Control alt delete turns you off. All right. So we don't want to hit that. But control shift delete turns off selfie mode. So hang with me. I know the sun is like shining. You guys are like in a bright light over here. So I apologize again. But you brought your sunglasses. So I feel good about that. But write this down. Number one is control. Control. By nature, some of us are more of a control freak than others. But what has to happen for us to turn off the selfie mode that is naturally set on it's we have to come to a, a decision to let Jesus lead our life. We have to turn the control and say, you know what, even though I, I have every freedom and I have every right. And, and as Americans, I think we probably sense the entitlement a little bit more than the rest of the world. Like, like hey, I, I get my own way. I get to make my own road. And, and so we probably fight that a little bit more in our country than, say, other countries around the world. So not only do we have selfishness, we have this sense of entitlement, like, like you owe me. And so what happens is Jesus says, you've got you've to lay that down. If you want to turn off selfie mode, if you want to level up on how you love people, then it's going to be found in you following me. Check this out, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Forever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So you actually gain life by surrendering it because you start living the life that God has always created you and called you to live. When you're living your life in selfie mode, you're not able to obtain that next level of where God wants you living at. You need him leading you there. And when God is leading you there, all kinds of opportunities open up for you. Because when you're not there, your love life is predicated on how much love people are pouring into you. And you're willing to love people as long as you have some love to give in your life. In other words, I've got a pocket full of hearts right here, okay? So I have so much love to give. Now these little hearts are representing the ways that people have made deposits in my life. Now, I'm limited. I, I, I have this limit of my ability to be able to love. So I can give a little love here. I can get a little love there. I can give some love here. I can give some love here and here and here. God bless you. And, and, then, and then what happens is I'm like, well, I, I'm all out. My pockets are empty, man. I, I have nothing left to, to offer people. And, and so we limit ourselves we limit out, and so we get to a place where we're like, okay, I don't have anything left to love until you give me something back. So, okay, so you're giving me this back. Okay, you're all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank And so now I'm like, okay, I got it. You guys can keep the love. All right, but so, but it's a bank account. We're willing to make a withdrawal as long as somebody makes a deposit. So many marriages have been ruined because of this system. This goes back to the late 80s with Janet Jackson saying, what have you done for me lately? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I will love you as long as you love me. But see, when we make a decision to say, no, Jesus, we're following you, then Jesus says, guess what? Because you're following me, all my supplies belong to you because you're with me. You're hanging with me. So all that I have, I'm given to you so that you can access. And so what you have is you have an unlimited love bank of heaven being able to, you, you being able to have access to. So now it's not, it's not what deposits you've made to me. And like, I'm limited. I don't have that. Jesus like, no, I got, I got way more. So you give that out freely. So you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give some love out. I, I'm just like, hey, there you go. You know, oh, I just left some love on the sidewalk. And then I'm going to, I'm going to give you some love. And i got so much more to give, I I am not limiting myself out, and so this allows me when I'm following Jesus, when He's leading me, and I have access to all of His never-ending love, then I am free to love people without any strings attached. I I can just do it and just, hey, if they don't love me back, I'm cool. Why? Because Jesus has given me plenty that I'll never run out. I don't need your love. It'd be fun if you loved me back, but you know what? I don't need it. And when you tap into this selfless love, it turns people's heads. People in a me-first world, they don't know how to respond to you. Let me give you an example. I want to tell you a God story that happened to me a week ago at Caloo. I'm involved with a leadership team at the university there. We had a meeting last Friday. And as I was getting ready to go to I I felt the Holy Spirit... Say, I'm going to use you today on that campus to minister to a college student. And I got all excited because I really feel like I hear God's voice. And I don't always hear him tell me to do things like this. But I was super certain he was telling me that I was going to minister to college I go, who, God, tell me who. And I felt I was going to be a woman. And I felt I was supposed to give this woman money. And I felt specifically that I was supposed to give her $40. And I was writing notes. I was like, what am I supposed to say to her? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you tell her that I see her and that I love her. And you give her that money. I'm like, I'm in, God. But I I need to go by the bank. I don't have any cash. And so I'm getting ready. I'm going to leave. And I left some cushion to go to the bank. And as I'm leaving, I'm not even kidding. On my kitchen table was $40 cash right there on the table. I don't know where it came from. Maybe an angel put it there, or maybe it belonged to my kids. And they're like, what happened to my $40, dad? But I just, that was a wink for me. Like, I'm supposed to do this. Then I go to this leadership meeting. And at the leadership meeting, the guy leads a devotion, and he says, I I felt led to give this devotion about the woman at the well that Jesus ministered to. And and he ministered this woman. He had this conversation. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. Like, I felt like I was going to minister to a woman at, at Kalu. And, you know, Jesus was getting water. I was like, well, Maybe I'm gonna kick it and set up at a water well. I'm supposed to go to where all college students go to the coffee well to Starbucks. So I, I was just feeling like okay, I, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna wait for this like divine appointment. And and so I was praying, and and the the college campus, for some reason on Fridays, was was really calm, and there was not a lot of people around. So I was like, God, I don't know who it is. And I said, God, put them right there at this table. I pointed at a table, and I said, Lord, I pray that whoever I'm supposed to minister, whoever's supposed to have this $40, put her right here. I know it's supposed to be a girl, so put her right here. I'll know that's you. And so, like, a minute went by that felt like an hour. Like, man, where is this girl? And then a, a girl passes by. She's walking. And I just felt like that was her. I'm like, I, I feel like that's her. And I'm like, oh, she goes sit down at that table. She's gonna sit, I know it, she's gonna sit down at that table. She walks right past the table. She keeps walking, goes around the corner. I'm like, man, I, I just was so confident that, that was her. I was I was gonna minister to her. And, and I was so convinced that I actually got up and I started following her. I know that sounds creepy, but I was like, I was going to follow her, and I went around the corner where I lost track of her, and she was gone. It was like she was a ghost, and I was like, that's weird. I was like, man, God, I'm confused. Like, I know, I feel like you're telling me to give this money away, so I went all the way up to the, the road, which is quite a ways away from where the Starbucks was, and I'm just looking and going, man, I don't even see a girl around, and then I saw a girl, and she's by herself. I go, well, that's her, so I go up to her, I say, excuse me, you know, if you're a college girl who's a middle-aged man going, hey, excuse me. It's <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> she gave me that, that kind of like, who are you and what do you want from me? I'm like, hey, I, I actually, I'm a Christian and, and I'm a, a volunteer leader here on, on campus. And you're going to think this is crazy, but I feel like God told me to give you $40. And he wants me to tell you that he sees you and he loves you. And she didn't, she didn't know what to say. She just, got, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you? She asked me, are you sure? Like a dozen times. I said, yes, I'm sure. This is from heaven. Just take it. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for a friend, but it's definitely from God for you. And she, she took it and I walked away. I was like, oh, that was cool, man. And I'm just, I'm walking by and I, ha- I literally have to walk by the Starbucks at that table that I was praying for earlier and I'm walking by, and lo and behold, somebody's sitting at that table. That girl I was t- telling you about earlier, she was sitting at the table. I go, are you kidding me? That was the girl I was supposed to minister to. But now I don't have $40. But I remember there's an ATM on campus. So I went over, and I said, Lord, if that's the girl, maybe I'm supposed to bless two girls. I got $40 out of the ATM, and she was still sitting there when I got back. And I came back, and she had headphones in her ears, and I said, excuse me. She goes, I'm on the phone. I go, I know. I just, I want to give you money. She's like, what? (laughs) I go, I want to give you $40. Let me tell you the backstory. I'm a pastor of a church here, and, and I was on campus, and I really felt God tell me that I was supposed to give $40 to a girl and to tell you a message from him that he sees you and he loves you, and she's like, Whoa. This has never happened to me before. Are you sure? I go, yeah, I've already been there. Yeah, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but take the money. And, and she said, but I'm Jewish. I said, that's okay. My leader's Jewish too. So we're all good in the hood. But why I tell you that story is, is to tell you that when you live this kind of no strings attached kind of love, the world doesn't know how to respond to you because they're so used to give and take that when somebody just wants to give without taking, they're just like, what's the catch? There is no catch. I have an unlimited supply of love and I will continue to love until I'm in heaven, right? So that, I mean, this is what I'm trying to get across in this whole series. I know I'm a passionate guy, but I, I just tell you, that we have to get this down right. We got to learn how to turn off selfie mode. Here's the second. We've hit the the control button. Now we're hitting shift. We got to hit shift. This is shifting from self-focus to God-focus. See, a lot of us aren't shifting from self-focus to God-focus because we've underestimated how great and how glorious God really is. Some of us, when we see Jesus, we see this really mannered, Man holding a little lamb on his shoulder and just smiling, and just God bless you. It's like, like that's the image we have of Jesus and we get in an overwhelming difficulty and trouble. You're like, man, my difficulty's greater and bigger than than that little nice man with the sheep on his shoulder. Like, this is huge. But see, I want you to change the imagery of what you have in your mind when it comes to thinking about the gloriousness and the greatness of God because it's found in the book of Revelation chapter one. And I'm going to read to you because I know you can't really see it on the screen. But this is John having a vision from God where God is telling him what he really looks like. And John is in awe with this picture. He says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe reaching to his feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were like white. Or white like wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Like he is in the back row over there, right? When I saw him, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. The greatness and the glory of God was so overwhelming to John. He, he couldn't just be in that moment. He fell at his feet. He wasn't going like, "Hey, God, oh wow, I'm God. Hey, but first let me take a selfie with God."?" Right? No, he was like, he was so enamored with the enormity and the giganticness of God that he just said, "Everything else in my life doesn't mean anything anymore. I just want to fall down at, at his feet." I'm telling you that when it comes to turning off selfie mode, and you think about the glory and the greatness of God, not only is it going to help you turn off selfie mode, it's going to help you turn your troubles and your difficulties and your trials over to the God that is greater than those troubles, difficulties, and trials. He doesn't want you carrying that stuff. He wants you giving that to Him because He is great enough to carry all of the stuff that has been burdening you this week, making you not even be able to sleep at night. But the good news is when you shift from self focused to god focused God naturally, organically switches you to others-focused. Because see, here's the idea. When you start hanging out with God, you start absorbing His qualities. So, if God is love, the more you hang out with God because he's love, the more loving you're going to be. Why? Because God is love. And so you're absorbing. And this is why Paul says this in Philippians. He says, when you shift from self focus to God focus, your attitude shifts. You immediately start elevating other people in your life and you stop paying attention to yourself as much he says therefore in philippians 2 he says therefore if there is any encouragement in christ if there is any consolation of love if there is any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose and here it is do nothing from selfishness do nothing from selfie mode empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that attitude is contagious? Have you ever walked into a room with a couple of people with a bad attitude, and you just felt it crawl on you? And pretty soon, you have a bad attitude because the room that you walked in had a bad attitude. You absorbed the attitude of the room. This is what I'm talking about. When you switch from self-focus to God-focus, you begin absorbing the attitude of God, which God says, I'm all about people. And so if you hang out with me, I'm going to make you more aware and more loving towards the people that I place in your life. That's what he's saying. I like to say it this way. We are at our best when we are focused on other people and not ourselves, because that's how God created us. We're living out the way we've been designed, and here's the third button, and I will get you guys home out of the sun, is the delete button. It's probably the hardest to hit, to be honest with you. It's like, it's hard to hit that. One of my favorite verses is found in Galatians. It's found in chapter 2, verse 20. I'm going to read from the NIV. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ's lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what Paul is saying is, I I live in such a way that I count myself as being dead so that I more realize that it's Christ that's alive, not me. I've put myself to death. Matter of fact, I started thinking about baptism. Some of you uh, have wondered about the tradition of water baptism in the church. You're like, what is that all about? Like, people being put in the water and coming out. And, and maybe some of you have come in, been coming to church and been wondering about this idea. Let, let me tell you, water baptism to a believer is really a funeral for yourself, it's really putting self to death. It's saying, Dude or dudette, you are no longer going to rule and reign over my life. I'm putting you to rest. I'm laying you in the ground of water baptism. And I'm being raised to life in Christ. That is I, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Here's, here's what I've realized in my life. As I look at The drama that has been a part of my history, most of it was self-inflicted drama. I said things I shouldn't have said. Anybody else with me on that? I've done things I shouldn't have done. Anybody else with me on that? And it's created a mess. Clean up on aisle five, thanks to Jim Cruz. And I had to go and clean up some stuff. And I realized that I am my biggest problem. And that the quicker I can put myself in the ground, spiritually speaking, the better off my life's going to be. Man, you know what? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live more satisfied. My relationships are going to be healthier. I've got to hit the delete button pronto. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know where you're at. Maybe God's calling you to be baptized with water and I'm here to tell you we're scheduling one in two weeks in the ocean. This time I'm going to pick a beach that doesn't have waves that will actually take us to heaven. (laughs) I'm I'm going to pick a beach that will give you a nice safe funeral for self so that you can live the outrageous love life that God has called you to live because it's more than just you on the line it's your family it's your friends it's your co-workers man it's a stranger that you just passed at target while you're shopping this week those people are the people that have no love inside of them and they have no love to give and they're waiting for somebody like you to show them the outrageous, reckless love of God. And the more that is in you, the more that other people around the Conejo Valley are going to know that Jesus is alive. Why? (laughs) Because I ran into one of his followers and I know they're his follower because nobody has ever loved me like they love me. It was a no-strings-attached kind of love that just blew my mind. Would you stand with me, church? Father, right? I want to pray, God, for each and every one of us, God, that you would help us level up on our love. God, we're just falling short time and time again, God, in its self that keeps getting in the way. God, help us to turn off selfie mode whether it's that control button we need to hit, that shift button or that delete button, or all three, God, I pray that today that there's a breakthrough that we experience in our life that will allow allow us, Lord, to live the outrageous love that you've created us and called us to live.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you, and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.